0: And welcome to the Objective Health Show. I am your host for today, Doug. And with me in the virtual studio are Elliot and Tiff. Hello. Hello. And in the background, as usual, keeping it, holding it tight, is Damien. Hello. Uh, Today, on today's show, we are going to be talking about COVID vaccines for a change. And we're talking Hmm. about, does the COVID vaccine actually decrease your risk of getting COVID? Or is it more likely to make you die, either of COVID or from vaccine uh, side effects, adverse events? So there was an article um, in The Guardian um, about a week ago, and the headline was, Most COVID patients in East Lancashire Hospital had, had the jab, says Council Leader. The subtitle being Stop Blaming Vaccine Hesitancy for Spread of India COVID Variant, says Mohammed Khan. And basically what it's saying in the article is that most of the people who they have in their hospitals right now um, who have COVID are people who have been vaccinated. Which is is said it's uh, six out of nine coronavirus patients in the region's hospital had received at least one jab. So, you know, we see all this stuff about, you know, spikes and more COVID cases coming out, but it always gets blamed on the people who are avoiding the vaccine. When it seems like in reality, this is not actually the case. Um, it doesn't seem like the COVID jab is really protecting people from uh, COVID. There was another article um, from what's this site called? leohoman.com. And it says, study third wave of sickness and death will be dominated by those who have been fully vaccinated. And in that, they're talking about a study that where they the authors actually did um, kind of make that prediction that we would be seeing the third wave be dominated by people who had already been vaccinated. And um, They quote the study here, and they say the resurgence in both hospitalizations and deaths is dominated by those that have received two doses of the vaccine, comprising around 60 and 70% of the wave, respectively. They say this can be attributed to high levels of uptake in the most at-risk age groups, such that immunization failures account for more serious illness than unvaccinated individuals. So basically what they're saying is that the reason that you're seeing more of these deaths and more of these cases coming from people who have been vaccinated is because it's mostly the elderly and the sick who are being vaccinated. So you would expect to see more of them actually being uh, the victims of adverse events. But is that really what's going on there? I'd like to point out also that when you know, the COVID thing was going around and people were saying, well, the reason that people are dying is because these are people who are elderly and have comorbidities and stuff like that. They were like, no, 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 no. That's not the case. This is a very deadly virus. But with the vaccine, when it comes to vaccine, they say the opposite. It's like, oh, it's because these people have comorbidities and because they're old. So it's kind of ironic that. But um, Stephanie Seneff was recently interviewed by Dr. Mercola. um, And in it, she brought to our attention, to the reader's attention, um, a study that was called Expert Evaluation on Adverse Efe- Effects of the Pfizer COVID-19 Vaccination. Now, this study was done by two gentlemen um, by the names of Hervé Seligman and Haim Yativ two Israeli guys. Now you might recognize those names. I mean, you probably won't, but we did a show previously um back in March um that was called Holocaust 2.0. Um and that was uh the basis for that show. At least we talked about it on that show, um a study done by these same two who were talking about the increase in deaths in Israel after the vaccination came out. And they made a very persuasive argument that the vaccine was what was actually leading to these increases in deaths. Well, this article um, is yet another study, um, a same kind of thing, a same analysis, uh, analyzing data sets to look at um, what's really going on. Um, So, Elliot, maybe you can give us a rundown of what, what they were kind of talking about in this study.
1: Yeah, of course. So it was pretty groundbreaking, some of the conclusions they've come to. Um, They analyzed two data sets. One was from a study, I believe it was published, uh, it was performed by the Israeli Ministry of Health. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And then another study, one was published by, yeah, the Israeli uh, Ministry of Health, and another one, was uh, by a team of researchers in Clalit from Clalit. I'm not sure where that is. Clalit was um, an insurance company, if I'm right. remembering correctly. Okay. okay, okay, okay. So they pulled together quite a lot of data, and overall, it's looking specifically at the mortality of individuals who have not had the vaccine who've had the vaccine how many people got covid how many people died of other causes within a certain time frame after receiving the vaccine and could theoretically be related to an adverse an adverse event and what they were trying to do in this article specifically was a cost benefit analysis so essentially what they're looking for is what are the potential costs that are associated with um with a mass vaccination campaign and when we're talking about costs we're not talking about or they are not talking about economic costs they're talking about the cost of life okay so people dying people being negatively affected people's health being um detrimental effects being exerted upon people's health due to a mass vaccination campaign that's one thing and the the potential benefit that that is going to provide society at large Um, in the long term, right? So, theoretically, what they're trying to do is know whether it's worth continuing a a mass mass vaccination campaign, whether that is safe, or whether that's not a good thing to do, right? Now, um, in doing that, they have presented their conclusions, and it's a pretty large article, but I would highly, highly recommend all of our listeners To take a look, even if it's just looking at the overview, which is on uh, towards the top of the page and going down to the conclusions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what were they? What did they find out? Well, based, uh, I believe they're statisticians or um, one is a he's a biomedical researcher. He's uh, published over 100 100 peer reviewed uh, international publications. He has studied um RNA transcriptions he's studied protein he studied genes he is a microbiology expert okay mm. um and what they have essentially found through looking at the data is that um based on a cost benefit analysis um they shown that in order to f- for the vaccine the mass vaccination campaign to bear actual life-saving benefits they have predicted that it, the vaccine would need to provide protection, full protection, to each individual for at least 2.5 to three years. okay? If it does not do that, then the costs which are associated with the vaccine are not worth it, okay? Not worth it. Uh, and the way that they've worked this out is by looking at the amount of deaths. So towards the start of the uh, article, they have said that the cost-benefit analysis favors vaccinations only against organisms with stable genomes okay now hiv uh, other types of viruses including the coronavirus have extremely unstable genomes what that means is is that they um they mutate very frequently you know if you look at any of the news these days you'll be hearing about all of these different types of variants so one of them being the indian variant right and this is the case with certain Viruses. Some mutate less frequently; they're very stable, relatively speaking. Others have highly kind of uh, volatile genomes. They will mutate very, very quickly. And essentially, what they're saying is that, um, yeah, uh, because of this, uh, there are kind of inherent problems with a vaccination, mass vaccination campaign. First of all, because it's probably not going to be effective. Right. Let's assume you have a vaccine and it does work. Right. Um, If you've got a very kind of unstable RNA or a a, a virus which has highly uh, mutatable, if that's even a word, Mm. mutable um, genome, then, the likelihood is is that, as soon as you 've kind of formulated a vaccine, it will be different, so the virus that's being passed around is 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 completely different so first of all, we have a problem there immediately, but he says that there are also four main other kind of inherent issues with um, this kind of the the mRNA vaccination campaigns uh, and so first of all, we have the fact that when someone is administered the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine, the mRNA vaccine, it causes a temporary weakening of the immune system. Um, The way that he describes it is that people who are vaccinated become fragile and this means that they are, at least for a certain period of time, much more likely to develop any disease against which the immune system usually defends the body. What this means is it can be a virus, it can be a bacterial infection, but it can also be cancer. Okay the similar kinds of cells are also involved in the destruction of cancer cells, tagging cancer cells, destroying cancer cells. And so immediately we have a theoretical basis by which um, if someone has an mRNA vaccine and they come into contact with some other kind of pathogen, whether it be COVID-19, whether it be any other kind of virus, whether it be any kind of bacterial infection, they are statistically, or they are, theoretically way more likely to be susceptible to that okay that's the first thing Um, secondly what we also have is that in the long term uh, the antibodies which are made or which are induced by taking the mRNA vaccine can potentially be causing autoimmune reactions okay Uh, and this is because the cells which are producing viral protein uh, encoded by the rna contained within the vaccine it's essentially a blueprint right it's, it's giving ourselves a blueprint so that we can make this foreign protein this spike protein and so the cells that generate the foreign spike protein we can very easily develop autoimmune antibodies against those cells okay now the problem is is that when we're looking at autoimmunity we look at how the immune system works it is identifying patterns it's a pattern recognition system in fact, all antigens can be classified as either PAMPs or DAMPs, okay? These are um, pathogen-associated molecular patterns, damage-associated molecular pathens, patterns, okay? So this is one of the main ways by which food immune reactivity, if you've got you know, antibodies against certain types of foods, this is the main reason or one of the main mechanisms by which food antibodies, eating foods which you have an immune reaction against, can trigger a systemic autoimmune um, disorder against your own tissue, because sometimes the um, the ex- external uh, proteins that we're coming into contact with, whether it might be by food, whether it be the spike protein that we are generating from the mRNA vaccine, you see, these can look very similar to some of our own proteins. Okay this is the thing, is that when you have a a sequence of amino acids, which looks very similar to a sequence of amino acids in, say, our myelin sheath, or our um, pancreatic beta cells, or our um, neurological tissue, any any kind of tissue in the body, if it resembles it in any way, there is a, a high likelihood that our body can develop an autoimmune reaction against our own cells, okay? So he says that due to this process, it's this called molecular mimicry, because we're introducing this mRNA, because we're generating these antibodies against this spike protein, in some individuals, what we may find is that natural human proteins, which resemble the viral protein, may start to be attacked by our own immune system. And what this means is, this is what many other kind of doctors and researchers in the field who are speaking out against this are saying, is that we could be looking at very major, severe autoimmune reactions cropping up over the next five or 10 years, okay? All kinds of things in people who do not have the ordinary risk factors, right? And so um, this is a very real possibility. Autoimmunity, oftentimes, it takes a long time to develop it's not going to be immediate thing. What we have seen already is that some people getting the vaccine um, have developed strange autoimmune disorders against their own platelets, for instance. Mm-hmm. This is happening, um, but it's not necessarily going to be, to be immediate. So this is something that there's not really been done any research on just yet. And this is one of the main concerns that he's bringing up is that this is the second reason why we should really be cautious about implementing a mass vaccination campaign. Thirdly, um, he said that mass vaccination might select for vaccine resistant viral variants, which likely, um, which could likely cause or which could potentially cause catastrophic, catastrophic, catastrophic effects, especially (laughs) on people who are vaccinated. And that's, I think, primarily because um, if someone is vaccinated, they get this severe kind of weakening of their immune system for five or six weeks after having the vaccine and yet there are kind of vaccine resistant strains going around this is potentially going to make them a lot more susceptible now finally what he has said and this is probably the most concerning thing in this entire paper is he said that the rna from vaccines will in some cases integrate into our chromosomes into the chromosomes of people Who have been vaccinated? Chromosomes are essentially the houses for our genes, okay, for our DNA. What this means is, is the RNA through uh, there is an an enzyme which has been shown to have the capability to take um, retroviral RNA and incorporate it into human uh, into into chromosomes via uh, an RNA DNA reverse transcriptase uh, enzyme right? And so this is a possibility. Anyone says that this isn't a possibility. He cites uh, the 1976 Nobel Prize in Physiology, um, which was basically showing that this could occur and was on this exact topic. So it is entirely possible that what might be happening is that we are taking this foreign RNA and we are incorporating this. And this is literally changing our genetic um, makeup, changing our genes. Now, whether that will affect children or adults in different ways. We get to know how that will affect people's offspring, how that will affect people in utero, in the womb. Babies, we have absolutely no idea. Um, And this is one of the reasons why he's saying like, this is probably a really bad idea at the moment because no one knows the answers to, to these questions. Okay. So those are the four kind of primary reasons why he's saying that Generally, a mass vaccination campaign is is not much of a good idea. But then if we look at the actual statistical analysis, here is some of the things that they have found, interestingly. So they've shown that for people who are above the age of 60, during the first 14 days after the first uh, dose of the vaccination, they are 14.6 times more likely to die than people who are unvaccinated. Okay. So we saw, we've spoken about this on the show before, how in Israel, for instance, we had um, mass vaccination. All of a sudden, a bunch of those people were getting COVID. A bunch of those people were also dying. Now, we're told that that is not meant to make sense because the COVID vaccine supposedly protects against COVID. Um, But what we see here is that, um, yeah, essentially these people, if you're above 60, you're 14... 14.6 times uh, more likely to die than someone who did not receive the vaccine in the previous 14 days. So let that sink in. It's pretty bad, right? Kind of doing the opposite of what it's
0: intended to, oddly enough. Exactly. Um,
2: Vaccine manufacturers themselves don't even claim that the vaccines prevent COVID or stop the transmission of COVID. They say that their idea of success is if the symptoms decrease
0: is death one of the symptoms because it's clearly yeah. not working.
2: No, they're talking about like mild symptoms like coughing, sneezing, that sort right. of
0: thing. They don't really <laughs> and, and you know, they don't really advertise that you're 15 times more likely to get
1: to die if you get yeah. the vaccine. That's not something that you really see in any of the adverts. No, indeed, it's actually having the exact opposite effect. So it's from the other set of data that they analysed. They showed that during the twenty-one day period between the two injections, um, the daily daily vaccination, um, sorry, the daily vaccinated COVID nineteen death rates are eleven point six five times greater than for unvaccinated. This was specifically for people who were over the age of sixty, who had been vaccinated and who got COVID and who died. Right. So it is doing the exact opposite to what they say it's doing. Yeah. Right. So if you get these vaccines, you get the two vaccines or you get the first vaccine. And in the 21 days between getting the second vaccine, first vaccine and the second vaccine, you're 11.65 times um, more likely to die than someone who's not had that vaccine. I mean, how wrong could they be? Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's insane. Like what on earth is going on? This vaccine is supposedly meant to protect people. Um, So what they talk about is when they're looking at the adverse events, so we've spoken about how essentially what is happening is is that when they have this vaccine, their immune system is tanking, right? So they're getting neutropenia, they're getting um, low lymphocytes, they're getting low levels of kind of systemic immune cells and whatnot. So they lose their defenses against um, against anything else that's going around or against COVID by the look of things. Um, but what they're also talking about is the adverse events that people can get from um, from the vaccine itself, right? So what we're looking at here is um, there was a section where they're talking about the difference between elderly and young people in, in vaccine reactions. So they're talking about the stronger the immune system that someone has, the less likely they are to develop COVID-19 symptoms, right? So for example, if someone is, you know, children basically don't get COVID. Mm-hmm. People are in, in like below the age of 40 have a much less lower risk of getting COVID and getting any symptoms. But when you get above kind of 50, 60, 70, that is when the symptoms really are quite significant. And some people are inevitably dying from that, right? So what they're saying is, is that if you've got a really strong immune system, there's very little chance that you're ever going to get COVID. And if you do, you'll probably be fine. However, what they've shown is that statistically, the adverse reactions to vaccines tend to behave in the opposite way. Now, what this means is, is that they are proportional to the strength of the immune system. This is because many adverse uh, effects which are associated with the vaccine are immune system overreaction overreactions or hyper reactivity so what this means is is that vaccine adverse events are statistically a lot more common in younger adults and in women the exact opposite demographic to those who succumb to covid right and so we got a bit of a an issue here right people who are old they're likely to get or that they're, they're likely to suffer the consequences of COVID, but people who are younger pr- protected against it. But when we introduce vaccines, because the immune system is stronger in the younger ones, it means that they are more likely to succumb to serious side effects from vaccination. Right. Okay? And this is a little bit of a problem. They're talking about um, previous data coming in from VAERS, so the Vaccine Adverse Events Registry. Um, and they're looking at kind of all of the vaccines from the years 1990 to 2020, um, and that they showed that the mortality due to adverse vaccine events is far greater for the very young than it is for the elderly, even for traditional vaccines. So this is completely separate to um, to COVID. This is for for basically any any vaccine, right? so um, so they are talking they're they 're essentially hypothesizing that when when young individuals when people who are kind of below the age of thirty or below the age of twenty, when they get the vaccine, we are potentially going to see some very very uh severe side effects right mm-hmm. and and many people dying um, what they 've shown is um so, let me just find it here right, okay, so um, right they were looking at the the difference so the difference in deaths uh various months in twenty twenty one compared with twenty twenty and what they found was was that the amount of deaths in twenty twenty one are far higher for younger adults um And they were not sure why this was. So they were asking the question, like, based on the data that we have, is there a way to determine whether this is due to simply COVID-19? Like, is it a new variant of COVID-19? Is it more dangerous for, for younger adults now? Or alternatively, is what we're seeing, is this actually a result of the vaccination? So either is it an adverse event to the vaccination is it um is it the kind of secondary effect of having the vaccination and having a tanked immune system? Is it some other effect that the vaccine is having on the immune system that is causing them to die kind of at much higher rates than they were doing previously last year? and so what they found was that um indeed the the younger ages people of of kind of ages um, below I think it was below 20 years old, there's many more people dying uh, in the months February to March 2021 than there were in 2020. And so the way that they, um, so they looked at the data and they basically did a calculation, and what they found was, was that the only plausible explanation for why people are dying at such a higher rate is simply because, uh, in Israel at least, many of them have had the vaccine right? What they found is that, um, or, or as per their calculation, uh, the vaccination, if you'd had a vaccination and you were below the age of 20, it increased the deaths by a factor of at least 20. Hmm. Okay, so vaccine increases your likelihood of dying by 20 times, <laughs> if you're under 20, right? So if you're under the age of 20 years old. Now, if we consider this virus, basically doesn't kill anyone under the age of 20 years old kids don't even get it but when we're looking at people who get the vaccine you've got 20 times more risk of dying um due to covid like it's stunning it's stunning
2: so in other words the vaccines kill
0: yeah (laughs) essentially big time
1: 20 times yeah. more likely, like... Phew. Yeah. Like, categorically, like, these are not good. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, uh, you know, it's it's too bad that this study is likely to get absolutely no press whatsoever because this, it would be a game changer, you know? If this actually got reported on the mainstream news, that people, young, young people getting the vaccine are 20 times more likely to die you can bet that vaccine uptake would drop even more than it currently has pretty much to zero i would
1: think he goes on to say uh, there's a section of the paper that's titled vaccination against covid-19 drives the spread of covid-19 right so he makes the point increases in covid-19 cases have been observed in various countries shortly after vaccination products were this in- projects were initiated so he's talking about observations uh, which were reported in India. Um, there, there was a, a analysis based on 35 states in India and also in the USA. So they showed that um, in India, a majority of states have positive correlations between vaccination and ulter- uh, ulterior COVID-19 case numbers. So what they're saying is that basically the more people that get vaccinated, the more COVID-19 spreads. At the same time in the USA, most states have a positive correlation uh, three to five days after vaccination. So it almost looks as like, I mean, I don't think that this virus is giving them COVID-19. I mean, it Sorry, the vaccine is giving them COVID nineteen. Maybe they already had COVID nineteen, but they were dealing with it quite nicely. Um, but the vaccine, because it is having such um, a detrimental effect on the immune system, it would seem that people are succumbing to COVID nineteen, um, or at least kind of. Um, I, I I don't even know how to how one would explain that, but it seems as though there's there's the data kind of. Uh, the data supports it, so whatever 's going on, the more vaccinations that are going on, the more deaths that occur, and the more wider the, the wider the virus spreads right
0: yeah it, I mean it could simply be that you know they 're getting the vaccine and then they 're coming in contact with the wild virus, and their yeah. immune system has absolutely no defense against it, so they catch it because mm-hmm. um, I remember those stories coming out actually, and they were coming out of Israel at first, where um, they, it, they were reporting that. So many people were coming down with COVID actually after getting the first vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was kind of like a head scratcher, but I mean, not really, but, you know, it was a head (laughs) scratcher for many.
1: Yeah. Um, So towards the end of the paper, they they summarize all of the details, right? And of course, I'm not a statistician. So my interpretation of it is... um, uh, may have missed out some key points but th- thankfully um, they do provide a conclusion succinct conclusion with with essentially what they're trying to say and what this all means um and 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 they they conclude they say the results um, in this in this analysis um, show that vaccination induced infection rates increase threefold uh, so if people have been vaccinated overall there was a threefold um, increased risk of um, of infection of getting COVID-19, and death rates are around 20 times the COVID death rate of the unvaccinated overall. Okay, um, he said these are serious reasons to suspect that a balanced cost-benefit uh, analysis would not be in favour of vaccination of any risk group. Okay, he says our calculation for younger younger age groups predicts an even more extreme and dire situation. It is long known that vaccination is not cost effective against organisms or viruses with highly mutable genomes. RNA viruses, coronaviruses and HIV included have the most mutable known genomes uh, known to man. Note that the vaccine-associated risks increase proportionally to the strength of the immune system, predicting that vaccination will greatly increase the very low COVID-19 risk experienced by the younger population, meaning that basically these people ordinarily have basically zero risk of getting a virus and dying. But the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine seems to be doing exactly the opposite and making them highly susceptible to it. It's saying that extrapolations uh, of two independent available data sets confirm this prediction. The precautionary principle is the first priority for those uh, responsible for public health, and its urgent application is required at this point, especially when the whole population of a country, including... Um, yeah, when the whole population of a country uh, is... potentially um has uh, up to a 20 times greater risk of death okay yeah. so um just to add in something that i didn't mention before in this cost benefit analysis they are looking for kind of like the um the costs uh, kind of what it will take or what it will cost to to, to see benefits they're saying that because deaths are say after For those above 60, for instance, in the first 14 days, so the first two weeks after that first injection, because deaths are 14 times more frequent per day for the people who have have vaccinated, um, the only way to make that kind of beneficial from an economic standpoint, if you're looking at health economics, you're looking at to make that kind of worth it or... um, Yeah, to to make it kind of balance out is... um, is you would require um, a total of 690 days uh, of full vaccine protection um, against COVID-19 for the elderly. So what they're basically saying is that, okay, right, we can accept some deaths as long as the vaccine is really highly effective for the majority of people and the vaccine lasts for, you know, like 700 days. If it doesn't provide 100% protection for that period of time, then all of those deaths are not worth it based on this cost-risk cost, cost um, risk kind of analysis. What they're saying is that it absolutely makes zero sense to continue with this vaccination campaign. In fact, it's having highly detrimental effects. Um, and we have not even just begun to see the start of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, 700 days, that's like... That's two years, essentially, right? And we already know, like, they're not even claiming that they, it provides protection for for seven hundred days. You know, they're saying at first they were saying twelve months, but now they're mm-hmm. saying that you need to get a third shot. Um, so yeah, the the idea that it would provide protection for that long seems to be it, it. Like nobody is even claiming that, so it clearly is not worth it. I mean, even
2: yeah. Well, the well, the vaccine trials. <laughs> even be over by that time because they are still ongoing technically
1: yeah indeed and and like the authors rightly point out uh, they're talking about how a lot of this data was um, derived from the Israel Israel Ministry of Health um, and what they're essentially uh, talking about is that the main financier for the study or the main financier or the main kind of funder for the Israeli Ministry of Health is Pfizer, right? <laughs> so you've got a study which is done by an institution which receives most of its funding from the pharmaceutical company who makes the vaccine that they're studying. Secondly, the other study that they were looking at, well, that was basically done um, by 10 researchers. And of those 10 researchers, eight eight were involved in other projects where they were receiving funding from Pfizer. So essentially they're pointing out that like the the this data which was published which is used as like uh, evidence that this that the vaccine is highly safe what they've essentially showed is that like the conclusions which were originally made about this data were not to be trusted because these mm-hmm. people are highly biased they the large majority of them receive funding from the company who makes the vaccine that they're testing safety out on. Right. So whether that's conscious or unconscious bias, it doesn't really matter. Like they should not be able to interpret that data. It should be done by people who are completely independent, non-biased if you can achieve that or the best that you can achieve um, in, in that regard. And so (laughs) that's what they've done. And that's one of the reasons why they took this data, reanalyzed it and came to this conclusion because they are not in the pockets of big pharma. Right. So, yeah, I mean, these kind of, uh, that's the way that science is generally done. And we've known this, we've been speaking about this for how many years, right? Yeah. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. the modus operandi, but when it's coming, (laughs) it's not just hiding, you know, it's not like the MMR vaccine, which would increase the risk of autism by a certain percentage kind of thing. We're looking at Mass vaccination, potentially, you know, a, most of the entire population of the world. Mm-hmm. And we're not just talking about a two times increased risk of developing neurodevelopmental delay or kind of autism. We're talking about like 20 times the risk of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like within five weeks of having the vaccine like this is serious stuff, like really serious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> It's unbelievable that they have managed to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of stunning. Well, the
2: chances of this being reported on any mainstream outlet is practically nil. Yeah. Because they do such a great job of shilling for the powers that be. I mean, I can't believe that people actually still watch the television and actually base their lives on the media's recommendations. Yeah. But yeah, this won't be talked about as so many other important studies concerning this have not been talked about in the mainstream.
0: Well, even one part of this study that that I actually found quite interesting is one of his recommendations is that people who do get vaccinated should be isolating themselves, lockdown essentially, for five weeks Um, because during that time period, their immune system is much weaker and they have a much greater chance of uh, contracting COVID or any other disease for that matter. So that this, you know, even if that piece of information got out there, like that's kind of important, you know, that, that should get out to the public. People should know that, um, that this is something that, that, you know, that that could help protect them. But even that piece of information, that's not going to get out. They would never say that because nobody's going to, you know, that would drive people away from getting vaccinated. Nobody wants to lock down for that long.
1: Exactly. And, it's i was also very surprised i guess not so surprised because i've seen it play out and i've spoken to many parents whose children have have been through this um but this this kind of inverse correlation with with age right so as in the older you are the less likely you are to react to to vaccinations having adverse events but the younger you are as in the more robust your immune system the data really supports the idea that these are the people who are most likely to to develop adverse events from the vaccine right and it makes you wonder well does that translate to babies I mean what's going to happen for the pregnant mothers who have this mRNA vaccine what's going to happen as they start doing trials on children how many children are going to have to die you know how is this going to affect the uh, fertility how's this going to affect the offspring that are growing in womb how like there were so many unanswered questions you were saying something earlier Doug about um Stephanie Seneff had discussed research in animals is that mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. yeah she um
0: was talking about the possibility that the vaccine the vaccine so that the RNA uh, from the vaccine would be taken up into the genome um, and apparently sperm cells are particularly good at doing this and then transferring it to the egg so that what a potentially could happen, you know, it's theoretical of course, but what potentially could happen is that babies being born would have this RNA incorporated into their DNA. So essentially they would have this, the vaccine would be part of them, that COVID would be part of them. So then when they, uh, encounter the COVID, uh, COVID out in the world, um, their immune system wouldn't react to it because it's it's a part of their genome. They would react. They would recognize it as part of themselves, so they wouldn't mount an re- immune response to COVID. So essentially, that that means that they that COVID would come in unimpeded into them, and they would become super spreaders, people who could spread this everywhere because they are literally making absolutely no um, immune response to it whatsoever. So. And. Then- I, Wasn't that shown in in cattle? Yeah. She gave an example that there were cattle, um, calves that were being born um, that had a viral protein integrated into their genome. And uh, when they were exposed to the virus, these calves were unable to clear the virus naturally and then spread it to the adult cows, which got sick. And their answer to that was to actually kill off those calves um, because, you know, it was to, to protect the herd. But uh, what are they going to do if it's kids who are spreading COVID amongst the population? Are we going to kill them off? It's
1: a mess, isn't it?
0: It really is. Yeah, I do actually recommend that people um, uh, check out that uh, Mercola article um, with Stephanie Seneff. Um, there's a an interview with her as well that you can watch. Uh, it's very interesting. Some of it's quite theoretical, but... Um, very interesting.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um <clears throat> lots of unanswered questions, lots of things probably to look forward to in the coming time. Yeah. That's one way. <laughs> Sit back and enjoy the show, folks. Put it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's not yeah. probably not much to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think at this point all we can do is just wait and see what's gonna happen because nobody knows really. That's true nobody knows
1: yeah well we've been talking about this for how many years (laughs) we've been talking about something like this happening we weren't sure exactly what it would be but uh yeah (laughs) something dark this way comes kind of thing something wicked this way comes Mm -hmm. uh i don't think anyone could anticipate this but it seems as though if there's anything that has the capability to uh to wipe out a significant chunk of the population this vaccine is, is, is looking like a pretty good candidate at the moment. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Well, so the
2: vaccine is COVID. COVID is not COVID, but the vaccine is COVID. Vaccine yeah. is the COVID they've been warning us about.
0: Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> and the vaccinated are the most susceptible to it. Uh, yeah.
1: Ooh. Well, twist. What a twist in the turn of the <laughs> events, eh? It's like a, a movie. You think you know what's what's happening and then it gets to the final, you know, th- final 30 minutes and there's a plot twist.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's be
1: quite yeah, quite
0: the plot twist really. Yeah. Well, um if if you guys have any if you guys don't have anything else to add, I think that could be our show for this week. We have gone on for Longer than usual, so we should wrap it up.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, We will be back next week with another excellent show for you to check out. Be sure to like and subscribe if you so desire, and we will see you all on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye.